Welcome to Harmony Christian Church Podcast. For more information about us, visit HarmonyChurchFamily.org. I'm excited to share the Word of the Lord with you this morning. Give me my first slide there, Chad. I want to talk to you about Jesus, the ultimate thought provoker. Uh huh. Get your wheels a-turning already. Uh, I remember sharing with, uh, this has been many, many years ago over in the old building, how that uh, several years ago, 50 years ago actually, whenever I played sports at uh, Fairmount and in Madison Grant High School, uh, I had a pair of socks. How many of you remember Pete Maravich? He had those socks that were way down. Well, I had a pair of socks like those. That was my favorite pair of socks. I wore those to every game. And uh, I'd pull those things clear up. And after playing for, if I played hard enough, uh, in just a few minutes, those things were down. And uh, so this morning, I've got my socks pulled up. <laughs> but I'm hoping that I go hard enough to where they're down around my ankles by the time we're done. <laughs> uh, what's that? <laughs> Even my socks don't fit anymore. <laughs> oh, praise the Lord. All right, Jesus, the ultimate thought provoker. So let's uh, begin to think about this. Uh, you know, Jesus, he challenged people to think. And anytime you read the word, you should be challenged to think. And what he's actually doing is he's training us to be spiritually minded. He wants us to think through the filter of our spirit. It's part of the process of renewing our mind, as in Romans 12, too. But here's the verse that I want us to really think about as we start this morning. Romans 8 and verse 6 is this. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Do you want to live a life that is full of life and you have great peace? Obviously, the answer is yes, I do. Well, you don't want death. You don't want spiritual death. So all of us need to learn to walk by the Spirit, to think by the Spirit, to renew our mind to the Word of God, and to be thinking in every situation, how does that relate in the spirit realm? That's what God wants us to do. He wants us to live our life thinking of situations that we're in, and thinking of that through the lens of the Spirit. Let me give you a few examples. You know, uh, those of you who have been a believer for a year or two, uh, you know all of these situations in the Scripture. But let me just give you some of the thought-provoking things that Jesus did. The woman with the issue of blood. Here's this woman. She is desperate for a touch from God. And she is desperate to touch God. And Jesus, she comes up behind him and touches the hem of his garment. And Jesus, he says, who touched me in a crowd? Now, how many of you know Jesus knew who touched her? Didn't he? But he asked the question, who touched me? Because he wanted to provoke those around him to think. Do you know that there's different ways to touch Jesus? We attempted to touch Jesus, and hopefully some of you did this morning during praise and worship. Touch the heart of God. Touch the Spirit of God. But there's 
a good way to touch Jesus. And then there's also just a so-so way of touching Jesus. She was desperate. And not only was she desperate, she was in need and she was determined. And she said, I am going to touch the hem of his garment and something is going to happen. Sometimes we're desperate, but we don't pursue. Even though we're desperate, there's one, there's more than one way to touch Jesus. A ruler came to Jesus and he said, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Before Jesus answered the question, he asked the ruler a question. He provoked him to be thinking. And he's doing the same thing with us. Why do you call me good? No one is good but God. He's provoking us to think. So what he is saying here is, do you really? Why do you call me good? None is good, but God, do, do you realize you are really right in saying that I am good? But do you realize I am good because I also am God? So he's provoking us to think outside the box and think from the spirit. Hallelujah. Unless you eat my blood and drink my body, you have no part of me. Man, that's a tough one. In fact, there were many disciples who left Jesus that day because of that saying. He's also, it, it sounds like he's talking about cannibalism. But what's he doing? He's provoking. He's really even agitating people so that they will think beyond the physical realm and think in the spirit. We practiced it this morning. We took of the bread that represents his body. We took of the cup, which represents his blood. That's what he's talking about. We have to begin to be spiritually minded instead of thinking of everything from the, from the physical realm. Hallelujah. The storm is sinking the boat and the disciples feared for their lives. Jesus said, where is your faith? How many situations are you in? Tough situations. And maybe the question could be asked to you. Where is your faith? It's like, I know it's here somewhere. Where is it? What's he challenging us to do? In every situation of life, whether it's easy or whether it's hard, where's your faith? Are you operating from the spirit realm? Are you thinking what I would be thinking in this situation? Because that's how I'm going to move. That's what I respond to. I respond to faith. Where is your faith in that situation? There's 5,000 men besides women and children with Jesus and the disciples. And they're all getting hungry. I've said many times, I don't know what hunger has to do with eating, but these people were hungry. And Jesus says an interesting thing. The disciples, he, they even brought it up to Jesus. Hey, these folks are hungry. Send them into town. There's Arby's and Taco Bell is open. He said, no. He said, you give them something to eat. What? There's so many. What's he doing? He's challenging them to think outside the physical realm and respond to the things of the Spirit. So many times things do not happen in our lives because we're just thinking within the context of the physical. 
Can we get outside of that and begin to think, what is God saying in this? What is he doing in this? Jesus said, what I see the Father doing, that's what I do. What I hear the Father saying, that's what I say. He's getting out beyond the physical realm and he's touching the spirit realm. That's where true life it really is. Had a radio broadcast for eight years and eight months and the title of my broadcast was Spirit-Led Living, where true life is a life in Christ. And we have to learn to live in Christ. Hallelujah. The ultimate thought provoker. Let's begin to look at some scripture here. Matthew chapter 9, 1 through 8. You all know this story. So he got into the boat. Now, why did he get into the boat? Well, because in the previous chapter, here's what took place. Jesus heals a leper. He heals the centurion's servant. He heals Peter's mother, who was sick with the fever. He cast out many evil spirits and healed many others, uh, fulfilling the scripture, verse 17 tells us of that chapter, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, He himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. Then he calms the storm on the sea, and he also calmed the storm in the disciples. Then, to top things off, he casts a multitude of demons out of two guys, and he drives them into a herd of swine, and the pigs run off a cliff into the ocean. That was the final straw. When you go start messing with our tenderloin and our pork chops, <laughs> that's it. You've got to get out of here. And that's what the people said. They said, Jesus, depart from us. That's where we're at. So, since they told him to depart, he got into a boat. He crossed over and he came to his own city. Then behold, they brought to him a paralytic lying on a bed. When Jesus saw their faith, you know, our faith should be seen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He said to the paralytic, son, be of good cheer. Your sins are forgiven you. And at once some of the scribes said within themselves, this man blasphemes. But Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, why do you think evil in your hearts? For which is easier to say your sins are forgiven you or to say arise and walk. But that you may know that the son of man has power on earth to forgive sin. Then he said to the paralytic, Arise, take up your bed, and go to your house. And he arose and departed to his house. Now when the multitude saw it, they marveled and glorified God, <coughs> excuse me, who had given such power to men. Such power. Hallelujah. This is power from God the Father through Jesus Christ the Son to man. So what power is this that he gave? I've, I've asked a few people what power this was. I just went around and began to share this story with some people. What power? It's the power of healing the paralytic. Is that the only power? Isn't it interesting that Jesus, he looks at this man who is obviously in need of a healing. This man had some friends who laid him on a cot. And then laid the cot in front of Jesus. This guy is obviously in need of physical healing. 
But Jesus, be, He sees beyond the physical realm. Amen? And that's what I'm wanting us to see this morning. We need to see beyond the physical realm. And He first speaks to the Spirit. And He says, be of good cheer. Your sins are forgiven. Hallelujah. I don't know how that challenges you, but how it challenges me is this. How often do I deal with people's situations in counseling or whatever, or just uh, friends, friends with someone and they're telling me something that's going on in their life, and I just look at the physical realm. I don't, it's tough to get over into that spirit realm. Where are you spiritually in this situation? Have you been saved? Have you recognized and acknowledged that you are a sinner in need of a Savior? I had a wonderful conversation with a gal this week. I was at a shoe store and a young lady and we got to talking and come to find out that uh, she knows my family and I know some of her family and we just really began to have a great conversation and it just opens up the door, doesn't it? To say, where are you with Jesus Christ? It's not that hard. Some people would say, but Ron, I'm just not an evangelist. I'll guarantee you, I'm not either. But can we take that step? Get beyond the physical realm. Tap into the spirit. Have a desire for the hearts of people. The souls of people. People are dying and going to hell every day. Good people are dying and going to hell every day because they think they have done everything good enough. It doesn't take goodness to get into heaven. It takes us recognizing that we're a sinner and we need a Savior and Jesus is the only sacrifice for our sin. And oh man, if we could just begin to minister to people I don't know why I'm thinking of this, but Buzz Charles down here is one of the few people that I know who got a physical healing before he ever received Jesus Christ as his Savior. What was the healing, Buzz? I forget. Stomach. Okay. Before he received Christ as his Savior, Jesus touched him one night at a full gospel business meeting. And healed his body. And then he received Christ. How about you and I be concerned about the spiritual health and welfare of individuals. And then we minister to the physical. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Jesus is the ultimate thought provoker. And so many times Jesus dealt with physical situations. But he always... Confronted people from the Spirit. Hallelujah. In Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 12. It says this. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. But against principalities. Against powers. Against the rulers of darkness of this age. Against spiritual hosts of wickedness. In the heavenly places. We have to keep those things in mind. Whenever we're dealing with situations. I'm not wrestling against the physical realm. I'm not wrestling against flesh and blood. We're wrestling against principalities and powers. 
Remember that. Hallelujah. Jesus saves. Amen. And we should be absolutely elated with that. And we should be busy about our Father's business. And we want to see as many people come out of darkness into His glorious light. Hallelujah. I have a quote up here from C.T. Studd. I've given it before, but I just love this quote. He says, Some want to live within the sound of church or chapel bell. I want to run a rescue shop within a yard of hell. Do you sense the heart that comes from a statement like that? I know too many times. I'm either oblivious or I'm too tired. I hate it when I get to that place where I just don't care about where someone is spiritually. And I bet you've been there too. Let's get out of that. Because you know there's a great commission upon our life. To go into all the world and preach the gospel. Making disciples. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Oh, to see people come to Christ. How long has it been since you've talked to someone about Christ? How long has it been since you've led someone to Jesus? It's challenging to me. I'm just challenging you. Just saying. All right, let's look at another story. My goodness, I've got a lot of time yet this morning. Are my socks coming down a little bit yet? All right. You know this story as well. It's another story where Jesus is the thought provoker. John 8 and verse 12. All of us know this scripture probably. Then Jesus spoke to them again saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Raise your hand if you know that scripture. Jesus says, I'm the light of the world. What is so interesting in this, and this was part of um, our life group lesson last month. What is so interesting about that verse is the context in which it uh, is given. Context is king. Pastor Josh has shared with us before. Context is king. So what context is that verse in? Well, let's start out at the first, first verse. But Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Now early in the morning, he came again into the temple. And all the people came to him. And he sat down and taught them. Then the scribes and the Pharisees brought to him a woman caught in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst... They said to him, teacher, this woman was caught in adultery in the very act. Isn't it interesting that only the woman was brought? I think it's because the scribes and the Pharisees were both men's groups. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned. But what do you say? This they said, testing him. That they might have something of which to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote on the ground with his finger as though he did not hear. Now, I don't know what he wrote. You know, there's been a lot of speculation. There's been some people comment on what Jesus stooped down and wrote. Some say that he was writing down the sins of some of those guys. Could be, you know, I don't know. He might have been writing down. Well, now, Jerry, you back there, you was in business with with that guy that was with her. Uh 
you play cards with that guy every Wednesday night. Uh, I don't know what he was writing, but he was writing something that was sure convicting. So when they continued asking him, he raised himself up and said to them, He who is without sin among you, let him throw a stone at her first. And again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. Then those who heard it, being convicted by their conscience, went out one by one, being with the oldest even to the last. And Jesus was left alone and the woman standing in the midst. When Jesus had raised himself up and saw no one but the woman, he said to her, Woman, where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? She said, no one, Lord. And Jesus said to her, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Let me start out here at the very end. Some people have said that Jesus let her off. Do you know whenever he said go and sin no more, he wasn't letting her off. Because we have to live by the spirit to go and sin no more. That's what he's telling her. He's telling her, you begin to live in me and sin no more. I want to uh, just to touch on this for a moment and then go a different direction. But that word where he says, uh, where are those, uh, those who have uh, accused you? Where are the accusers? Has no one condemned you? Talked on this before, but I, I, I get concerned about people who live a life of condemnation. Because in Romans chapter 8, verse 1, what does it say? There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Now, we have to understand the difference between condemnation and conviction. I want to receive the conviction of God. I want to be convicted of things that I've done wrong, said wrong, that I shouldn't have done, that I wish I had have done. I want to be convicted of those things, but I don't ever want to live in condemnation because it's the devil who is the accuser of the, of the brethren. So if anybody here this morning, if you have any kind of condemnation upon your life, please try to throw that off. Get some help. Get some prayer over you. Get delivered from being condemned. Just live by the conviction of the Holy Spirit. And respond to the conviction of the Holy Spirit. If the Holy Spirit's telling you to do something, if He's convicting you to do uh, about something, correct it and take care of it. Hallelujah. Do you know that whenever they stoned people from the Levitical law, it wasn't with a little driveway stone. It was with a stone like these. It was serious business. You ever wonder what it sounds like whenever you have such hatred in your heart for someone or some group? What does it sound like to be forgiven? What does it sound like for you to forgive? How about if you had such rage in you about a situation and you're confronted with the one who is righteous? And he says, he who has no sin, let him cast the first stone. What's it sound like to give that up and let it go? What's it sound like 
to have sinned and been caught red-handed. What's it sound like to be faced with the one and only who has died for your sins and who forgives you? You ever wonder what it sounds like to have your sins forgiven? Isn't it a glorious sound? Some of you are concerned about the carpet. It's a glorious sound to be forgiven. And it's a glorious sound to forgive. God wants to speak to us this morning about living by the Spirit and not so much by the flesh. If you're going to live your life by the flesh, it's going to be an unsatisfying, unfulfilled life. But if you'll live by the Spirit, there's freedom. Hallelujah. After all of that with this woman caught in adultery, then Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Isn't that amazing? He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Here's this woman caught in adultery. She's thrown in front of all these people, humiliated. And at the end of all that, after he deals with the people and he deals with her, he says, I am the light. What's he saying? He's trying to get us to think beyond this physical realm. And what he's saying is, folks, you are going to be in situations every day of your life. There's going to be things transpire and take place in your everyday living. I want you to think beyond the physical realm and get into the things of the Spirit. Can you see things? Can you see the light of that situation instead of darkness? Can you see salvation in that instead of damnation? Can you see freedom instead of bondage? Can you see that there doesn't have to be a spirit of heaviness, but there can be joy? Hallelujah. Can you see that He wants us to trade in and have beauty instead of ashes? In every situation of life, folks, there's a spirit aspect to that situation. And that's the way He wants us to live. To live by the Spirit. Hallelujah. And then I think it's so interesting that in Matthew 5, he says, you are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Jesus is the light of the world. How can we be the light of the world? Because, as I've said so many times, Christ in us, the hope of glory. Amen? You are not the light of the world because you're so good looking. Because you, are so, you have such a great charismatic personality. That's not why you are the light of the world. You are the light of the world because Christ is in you. And we are to let our light so shine among men. 
that they see our good works and we glorify our Father. Hallelujah. Let's look at our first verse and it will also be our last verse. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Living by the Spirit is what Christ wants us to do. Excuse me. He wants us to live by the Spirit because to be carnally minded is death. But to be spiritually minded, hallelujah, is life and peace. It's a wonderful way to live. Hallelujah. Let's stand. I want to ask you this morning. Father, today, this is what I want you to pray. Father, today, and I want you to raise your hand if this would be your prayer. Father, today, I want to commit myself like never before to live by the Spirit. If that would be your prayer, raise your hand. Father, I thank you for all these hands across this crowd this morning. I ask you to do a mighty work in them. I have to challenge you this morning. You need to be a person of prayer. You need to be a per, as Pastor Josh has been sharing with us in the garden. Be a person of prayer. Be a person of the word. You have to be a person of the word to know what the word says. From the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And you have to be a servant of the most high God. Father, all those that have their hands up right now, I would ask you to do something special in them this morning. Do a miraculous work in them. And I thank you, Lord, for tremendous testimonies to come of how we have handled situations by the Spirit instead of just by the physical realm. We give you glory this morning. We give you honor. In Jesus' name, amen.